Ladies, you're in for a treat. If you or someone you know has ever wondered, how do I find a good guy? How do I build love without settling? If you've ever felt hopeless in your search for love and your search for a good man, this episode is for you. My guest today is Jason Everett. The last episode we did with him was for the men, and this one's for you ladies. Jason and his wife, Crystalina, wrote a book called How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul, 21 Secrets for Women, and they've sold hundreds of thousands of these books. Women just eat it up. And as you'll hear him say, after traveling the world and speaking about love and relationships, they saw some common themes in the struggles women face. And so they wanted something they could just hand to the women to help them in their search for love. And the book is their answer. So we'll dive into the content in the book and even go beyond it. And some of the benefits you'll get from listening to this episode, you'll know some of the guys you want to avoid. Jason talks about the love test and how it can help you figure out whether a man really loves you or not. We speak about hookup culture and how that's so toxic to your love life. Jason gives a couple ideas on how women should respond to the constant pressure in our culture for them to have flawless bodies. We mentioned one thing that you can do to reduce the chance of divorce in your own marriage. Jason gives some guidance on how to break up with a guy you know you should, even if you're afraid. And lastly, Jason just gives some encouragement to any of you ladies out there who feel broken, who feel like, you know, it's too late for you, you've made some mistakes. So Jason will speak into that and give some advice on how to heal. We're also doing a random giveaway. We're giving away three of these books. I'll tell you more about that at the end. Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you cope, heal, and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce or separation so you can feel whole again. I'm your host, Joey Ponarelli. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 19. And if you've been listening, you know that we're in the middle of our love and relationship series. Research shows that the biggest way our parents' divorce affects us is in our romantic relationships. And you may be wondering why. Basically, because we don't have a roadmap for love. We've seen a broken model of what love and marriage look like. And so when it's our turn, we feel lost and we struggle in numerous ways in our relationships. And so we're bringing you a roadmap, actionable tips and expert advice on how to find and build authentic love that lasts. A little about Jason. Jason Everett has spoken on six continents to more than one million people about love, relationships, and sexuality with his wife, Crystalina. They're the authors of more than 15 books, including How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul, Pure Womanhood, and If You Really Loved Me. Jason earned a master's degree in theology and undergraduate degrees in counseling and theology with a minor in philosophy at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Jason and his wife are frequent guests on radio shows throughout the country, and their TV appearances include Fox News, MSNBC, the BBC, and EWTN. Jason and Crystalina married in... Uh, 2003, and now they live in Phoenix with their beautiful family. And I know I say this often, but for any of you guys out there who are listening who aren't religious, I'm so happy you're here. Uh, Jason and other guests of ours are religious, and so they may talk about God, about faith. But even if you take out those parts of the episodes, you're still going to get a lot out of it. And so if you can keep an open mind, there's so much good stuff in this interview for you. And I do apologize. There's some background noise throughout the interview, so please bear with us on that. Here's my interview with Jason. Jason, thanks for being back. Great to have you on the show again. Oh, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. I love uh, I love the Soulmate book. I read it a while ago. I know I'm not a woman, but I thought it was excellent. A lot of great advice that I would want my sister and my future daughters to read. And before getting into the content, I was curious, let's go back in time. What inspired you to write this book in the first place? Yeah, well, first, I'm glad to hear that you read it. And I'm here more and more guys are, even though it's you know clearly for women. One, guy came up to me at a conference was buying the book and I said hey well you just you know that's just for women and he said I know but my girlfriend told me I need to read it so I'm like okay <laughs> then enjoy um but where it came from is that we would speak at you know these young adult gatherings or universities even high schools and the the women would come up afterwards just in lines just with these serious issues just one after the other after the other and we began to notice these patterns these trends that were going on in their relationships and their personal lives and the the difficulty, the abuse, I mean, just, just so much stuff that they were having to navigate through on their own. And 
you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And then just felt like, I just wish I had something. I could just hand these women and say, here, this is it. A to Z, this is how to get through these tough single years uh, without having to lower your standards on your quest for real love. Here's how to know if a guy's worth dating. Here's how to know, you know, if he really loves you once you are dating and how to keep the thing strong. And, and so we spent a couple of years just putting it together. And, uh, you know, it's been a blessing to see the fruit of it. I saw one girl decided that the girls at my university need this. So she put up some signs, hey, we're going to do a book study on how to find your soulmate without losing your soul. And a bunch of girls signed up for it. And then it got too big. And so they had to split it up to the next floor of the dorm for another study. And that got too big. And before you knew it, there was a book study on every single floor of the girls' dormitory uh, going through this book because the girls are hungry uh, and they look for guidance that's not going to pander to them, not going to water it down, not going to make them feel shameful, but just empower them to be the women, you know, that God created them to be. It's amazing. And the women, like you said, have responded well. How many have you given away? How many have you sold? Do you know offhand? Uh, we're in somewhere into the hundreds of thousands. Uh, you know, I wow. haven't kept tabs on how much more than that, um, but it's, it's moved, you know, partly because it, it resonates with women. And also we make it available at $3 a piece at chastity.com. So you can get a box of them at a time and share them with the women in your young adult group, share them, you know, with the theology on tap group or their, you know, high school classmates or whatever, you know, our goal is just, let's just make this dirt cheap and get it out because if women can just get this part of their life, relationships, sexuality in the right sweet spot, life becomes so much easier and, and less complicated and difficult. And so we just want to come alongside these girls and, and uh, help them to find the love they deserve. I have a confession to make some uh, years ago. I bought a box of the books and after, uh, I think after Christmas mass or something, I had texted a bunch of my friends. I started uh, selling them out of the trunk. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason for that was yeah. I, I wanted them to get them out to people who they thought, you know, could use the gift. And I sold them for like a dollar more than, than you sold them so that I can do it again. Uh, so I hope that's okay. Oh, yeah. Little confession. Yeah. On the black market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chastity black no, market. Yeah, no, well, man, whatever gets it out there. I mean, and, you know, sometimes I'd keep a stash in my car. I remember I was getting my hair cut once and lady starts asking what I do for a living and start explaining to her. And she's like, oh, wow. She's like, you know, I work at a, uh, a center for women who are leaving like the sex trade industry and all that. And, wow. you know, and, and, you know, people have been in life prostitution, whatever. And she said, oh, we could, we could use a case of them. We'll do a study for the girls. So, you know, just brought her a whole load of books out of the car and, and they let us study the girls. So you never know when an opportunity is going to rise. So kudos for you for keeping a stash in your trunk. And Jason, what do you want for the women who, who read it? What's your hope for them? I, I remember one mom in the Philippines asked me when I was there, she said, if I can tell my daughter what is love in one sentence, how can she know if a guy really loves her in one sentence? And I'm sitting there, I'll see, you know, one sentence. And I thought, okay, the closer she gets to him, the more she becomes herself. That's a real love is. Whereas the opposite is the closer you get to this person, you don't even know who you are anymore. And so uh, I just want these women to feel like themselves again. But sometimes they get stuck in these relationships that are so cloudy and confuse, confusing and difficult and hurtful that, you know, after a few days or weeks or months or years of this, like you don't even know who you are anymore. It's just so disorienting to be in the wrong relationship. And so we want to help orient them in a sense, uh, to, to a love that actually makes them feel cherished instead of perhaps just taken advantage of. One of the first problems you identify in the book is missionary dating. Would you explain what, what is missionary dating and what's wrong with it? Well, you know, guys and girls are, are guilty of doing this. I think girls in a particular way, because sometimes they can really see the positive qualities of a guy that he might not even see in himself. And she dates, she sees like, oh yeah, you know, I know he's got this problem or that problem, but well, we can fix it. It's almost like one of those home makeover TV shows where you fall in love with this dilapidated property. And then you think of all the potential that's within it, you know, and some girls are dating like that, where if the guy was a house, he'd be like some dilapidated haunted crack house in Detroit. And she's thinking, Oh, but you know, we can put a swimming pool in there and I'm going to get new curtains and it's going to be brand new. And they're not really dating a person. They're dating a project. They're dating their imagination of, of who they hope he can be or who they thought he was when they first met him. Um, and it's just draining because, yeah, someone gets changed in that scenario, but it's not the guy for the better. It's typically the girl for the worse. Mm, so true. And it's so sad to see that in real life. And I think some listeners may in the back of their head be thinking, 
but I've seen this situation or that situation where this worked. My aunt or my uncle or my friends, you know, was with this guy and eventually he turned things around. What would be your response to someone who thinks that, well, maybe it can work some of the time? Yeah, you know, and maybe it can some of the time. But, you know, if we're going to put our money down on something, this is not the place to put it. Um, I mean, it's an investment that can take years and years and years. You think, oh, well, our love is stronger. Our love is stronger. You know, we'll overcome this. Um, but your whole vocation is at stake. I mean, what type of man do you want raising your kids? I mean, do you want the guy raising your kids who, and you've got to drag him to church and you've got to beg him not to drink and not to look at porn and not to treat you like garbage? Like, is that really what you want for your own life? Probably not. And so I would say don't date somebody hoping they're going to change into a different person. Date someone hoping they're going to stay the way that they are for good. You know, otherwise, like I said, you're just dating your imagination. And so courtship is really a time where the person is typically on their best behavior. And uh, I'm sorry, if their best behavior is pretty bad, then don't expect for things to get better as time goes on. Because the best indication of the, the future of a relationship is the past. And if the past is tumultuous and difficult and full of bickering and whatever, infidelity, jealousy, fighting, you know, it's, it's a bit naive to expect it's going to be sunshine, roses and lollipops, you know, if you just try harder. And that's often how they make you feel. Well, if you just did this, or if you just didn't do that, then I wouldn't have done this. And that's just not a healthy dynamic. I couldn't agree more. You give a list of the top 10 guys to avoid. Would you describe one or two of them? We can't go through through all of them, of course. But you, would you describe a couple? Yeah, one, you know, one of the biggest ones is the flip-flopper, you know, where one minute, you know, you are the best thing since sliced bread, the whole world revolves around you, and the next minute he's not even answering his cell phone, not picking up, not returning your text messages, and then he's kind of goes dark for a while, and then he kind of thinks he's into this other girl maybe, but then he's back with you, and he, you know, oh no, you're the one I want, and if you put your heart in the hands of a guy like that, I mean, it is a emotional roller coaster that will take a significant toll on you. And so nobody can take you out of that situation. You have to choose to unplug yourself and be like, you know what? I don't need some indecisive flip floppy boy because the fact is men are simple creatures. If we want to be with a woman, we'll, we'll act in such a fashion. Uh, and, and so girls don't need to stay up at night creating 10,000 excuses and, you know, justifications for why he's not getting, Oh, well, maybe he's really busy and, you know, maybe this and maybe that it's like, no, if a guy, everyone deserves to be with someone who wants to be with them and you as a woman deserve those things. And so you should hold out for it. And so that was one of the guys we really highlighted in there. And then the other guy is another one, just one more is the, the kind of the smooth criminal and meaning by that, he's not going to pressure you too much to do sexual things, but he'll literally take everything that you're willing to give. And I remember one guy came up to me after a chastity talk at his school before I was heading over to the all girls school. And he said, do you ever tell the girls that we tell them we're okay, not doing something sexual just so that they'll give it to us. Hmm. And I said, yeah, I actually do point that out to them that there are guys out there like that who think that it's the girl's job to be the chastity cop. And he can push the envelope gently and quote unquote respectfully. And well, Hey, if she's willing to do it, I'm okay with it. If she's not willing, then I'm okay. But he's never really going to lead that relationship in a positive direction. He's just going to continue inch by inch to see how much she can take as much as she's willing to give. And that's not the guy you want to end up with. You want a guy who's going to realize that, hey, guess what? Like girls have temptations too. It's not just the guy. And when she's tempted, he needs to be strong instead of every time she's tempted, the both of them fall. And so, you, you know, those are just two of the 10 guys that we kind of highlight in the book. Um, but we, that's how we start the book is jumping right into that whole section because, you know, girls need to realize like you are not alone in your desire to find authentic love and you're not alone in your frustration and how difficult it's been up to this point. But if we can just weed out the wrong kind of guys to get started, you know, you're, you're definitely going to be off of the right, on the right foot. Absolutely. You make the distinction between love and being in love. Would you explain the difference there? Yeah. Being in love is a part of love. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful experience. I think everybody, you know, I hope everyone gets to experience that. Um, but that it in itself is not love. It's just the, the beginning, the kindling, so to speak, before the fire. And uh, love, on the other hand, is not a feeling. It is an act of will that consists of doing what's best for the other person. And so if you have all the Twitter-pated, infatuated feelings of love for someone, 
but you're not really willing to sacrifice and do what's best for that other person, call it whatever you want. It's not love. And so love as desire is the beginning. And then it blooms into this union. I want to be together with this person. But if it does not mature into a love of goodwill, of I'm willing to do what's best for this person, then it is love. And so this is why you got guys saying to girls like, well, if you love me, you do this with me tonight. It's like, dude, if he loved you, he wouldn't be asking for it in the first place. That isn't love. You know, he's trying to guilt you into pleasuring him instead of actually dying to himself to do what's best for you. And so a woman needs to listen to her heart and to her conscience instead of falling for the counterfeit infatuation instead of the full type of sacrificial love that she deserves. When it comes to dating, you say that there are some wrong reasons today and there's some right reasons today. What are some of the wrong reasons? What are some of the right reasons? Well, wrong reason could be just, just pure loneliness. You know, I, I got to fill this void. And, uh, you know, or, or for social reasons, you know, everybody has a boyfriend. I want to have a boyfriend, you know, obviously the superficial reasons, but, you know, under that, you know, in that loneliness, that ache, that desire for communion, it's a good thing, you know, it really is. But we need to be make sure that am I capable of being happily single? Like, do I have purpose in my life? Do I have mission? Do I have community, friendship, family, faith? Like, do I, have I got my stuff together or am I expecting this relationship to be almost like an idol that's going to make everything great, you know, and wonderful and perfect. And, you know, once I get that, it's going to, everything's going to be great. And some people make an idol out of dating. Some people make an idol out of marriage and they think, Oh, once I get a spouse, you know, or once I get those kids, then I'm going to be a happy person. Then I'm not going to be so much this or so much that. Um, But we've got to realize that, you know, all idols are meant to be broken. And C.S. Lewis even said, all idols will break the hearts of their worshipers. And so we've got to make sure that we're putting God on the throne of our heart, not a human person. So good. I remember Matt Fred saying once that he was speaking to, to women and he said, it is better for you to be alone than to be with a man who's not worthy of your love. And that, yeah. that, that is yeah. a hard no, truth, but it's an important one, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I often tell the girls, it's also, it's a much better thing to be disappointed in some guys than to be disappointed in yourself for settling for a guy who's only half the man that you deserve. And so, yeah, loneliness, the, the, the single years can be difficult and frustrating, um, but it's important that you not lower your morals in, in settling for something. Because, I mean, you know what? I can get you a date tonight if you really want a date. I can get on Tinder and swipe this way and that, and we can get you all set up within a matter of moments. But there's a difference between quantity and quality. And so, you know, if you lower the bar low enough, you can get a significant quantity, but it's not the quality that you deserve. And it's never going to satisfy that ache, like you said, that we all have in our hearts. Yeah. I mean, we, what we long for is something, you know, that, that takes time, that requires patience, you know, faith in God and trust. And, you know, it, it can be a long and painful process because it's like, God, I know my desires are good. I just, I want to start my vocation. I want, a, you know, a godly spouse, a beautiful family, and it's nowhere in sight. And like, God, how come what I want does not seem to be what you want for me today? And in that is a very heavy cross, you know, and God wants to meet us in that cross and walk with us, you know, so that he can show to us, you know, what he's doing in that time of solitude and in that, in that time of patient waiting. My generation as a millennial, we want everything now. We want instant gratification. And I think we need to remember that masterpieces aren't built overnight. They don't happen overnight. Yeah. So it, just, it takes time to to find that love, to find the right person. And that's just the starting point. I mean, you know, I've, yeah. I'm married now. now did, you, did you go through that as well, would you say? Yeah, I, I would say so. When I was starting my dating relationships, I wanted to, you know, kind of dive headlong and figure out, is this the person I'm going to marry? That was one of it. Like, I want to know now, God. Like, I don't want to wait six months. I don't want to wait a year. I want to know now. And then, you know, once I got, further along, I, I wanted to know, okay, I want to build a really good and beautiful relationship, but I wasn't very patient with the process. And I think that is a struggle with so many people uh, in, in my generation. So yeah, I would say I absolutely dealt with that. But I like to think of Olympians, professional athletes, uh, you know, artists like Michelangelo, when they're working for gold, right? When they're going pro, when they're building some sort of a masterpiece, it takes time. It just does not happen overnight. And it amazes me that some you know, architects or builders uh, in years past, they would spend generations building a cathedral. And the cathedral is absolutely gorgeous, but the grandfather didn't see its completion. The father didn't see its completion. It was the grandson 
who finally finished it. And they were so willing to put in their life to, to build something beautiful. And I think we all need to take that approach. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the Duomo um, in Milan took 800 years to build. Now, imagine how cranky your parishioners would build if the parish <laughs> committee couldn't get that you know, you know, parish hall built for 800 years. But, you know, good, good wine takes more time. So. Mm. Amen. So good. And the right reasons to date, there really is only one, isn't there? Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's only one reason to date, and that is to find a spouse. Um, it is, you know, marital discernment. It is purposeful. It's clear. It's intentional. Um, it's not born out of desperation, desolation, and loneliness. Um, yeah, there, there could be some uh, aloneness and ache there behind it. Yeah, that's fine. It's natural. But the, the driving force is like, God, is this not only is this the right person, but is this the right time? Mm. You know, do I, do I have my ducks in a row? You know, am I ready to enter into my own vocation or prepare seriously for it? Or do I have some, some skeletons in the closet and some junk that I really need to sort out before I invite someone into, the, into my life in that way? Yeah, I think one illusion that we take into marriage often is that it's going to fix our problems. But you and I both know it just magnifies any problems that are already there. So we really do. Yeah, it just creates more. Yeah, and it creates more, right? So when you really do need to take time to, to heal. Shifting to uh, the next chapter, love your spouse before you meet him. That's what you tell the women. You encourage them to love their husbands before they even meet him. Why is that important? Well, you know, on your wedding day, you're going to promise, you know, I will be true to you. I will love you all the days of my life. Okay. Well, today is a day of your life. You know, why don't we honor and love our spouses before we even meet them by the way that we live our lives? So if I'm a single guy and I'm looking at porn or using women, what what am I just going to meet one of those women, not use her and then promise to love her forever? It's like, well, let's be faithful to our spouses before we even meet them in the sense that I'm preparing my, my body, my heart, my mind, my soul you know, for this vocation that God might call us to together. And, and so that's a, it's just a way to, to put everything, all the sacrifices in context. They're in the context of love. Like, why am I not sleeping around? Why am I not looking at porn? For love of my God, for love of my future spouse, for love of just women in general that I respect. Um, love is the motivating power behind these things, not guilt or repression or what have you. I love that. I think it was Nietzsche who said, you know, give a man a why and he can endure almost any how. So we really need to keep love at the center of chastity. It's not this arbitrary repression, but it really is to make love more beautiful, stronger, more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't understand the connection between chastity and love, the chastity is not going to last and neither will the love. Um, the, the, the two sink or swim together. Some people listening may not be familiar with the virtue of chastity. Would you explain what is it and what are some of the benefits? Yeah, well, chastity is a virtue, kind of like courage or honesty, but one that applies to your sexuality. And it doesn't eliminate your sexual desires or attractions. What it does is it orders them according to the demands of authentic love. And so, you know, when you see, like, you know, let's say I'm driving down the street and I see, you know, a woman jogging down the street and, you know, let's say she's not wearing a whole lot of clothing. You know, there, there's a moment there. There's a choice. You know, how do I look at her? How do I see that as that's as passing by? You know, there may be the initial instinct of the sexual attraction, but now, okay, there's a sexual value there for sure. But is that sexual value greater than that woman's personal value? No, the personal value is above the sexual value. And so what chastity does, it helps to arrange those in right order, where, where you may be tempted to look at someone as something to be used for your gratification. Chastity helps to take that desire and say, no, 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 remember, human being first. She is first and foremost the daughter of the king of heaven, your sister in humanity. And uh, instead of being tempted to look and think as, as women as things to be used for our enjoyment, chastity helps to order those desires rightly. So not simply in what we think, but what we look at, how we speak, how we act. And, you know, for a single person, it would involve abstinence. And even for a married person, chastity involves abstinence at times in marriage when that's necessary, because that can be a part of married life as well. But it's just the proper use of the gift of our sexuality, according to whatever our state and life will be. Um, But it frees you. I mean, it frees you to know, uh, it frees you to love, because if I can't say no to my sexual desires, my yes means nothing. But then it also frees, you know, if you're being loved, because if a woman takes the sexual element out of a dating relationship, 
watch how the guy reacts to it. I mean, does he have an anaphylactic meltdown? Does he get pouty and petulant, distant, whiny, and withdrawn because he's not getting what he wants? Well, what did he really want you to begin with? Or did he only want the pleasure he was getting at your expense? And so that virtue of chastity brings to the surface another person's intentions to see if it's love or simply lust. And at the core of chastity is self-mastery. And I think it's so important to point that out because this virtue doesn't mean that you're going to have a great marriage, right? It's not the only virtue that you need, but that virtue of self-mastery does extend to other areas of your life. And it is an essential ingredient to have a great marriage. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the integration of our sexual desires. You know, and some people think, well, what am I supposed to do? Just, you know, repress all my desires to make God happy or indulge in them to make myself happy. But, you know, repression is not pleasing to God and indulgence will not bring you joy. The, the real alternative is that of the integration of your sexual desires, of that virtue of chastity. And that's what God's calling us to. In the book, you talk about the love test. What is that and how can a woman use it? Uh, well, the love test is when, like, let's say you're in a relationship with a guy, maybe things have gone too far, or you're just getting started. And you kind of announce to him your standards when it comes to sexual morality, or you take the sex out of the relationship. But basically, the element of marriage the forms of affection that are really proper to spousal love. And you say, I'm saving that for when I have a spouse. And you watch how the guy reacts. And you're only going to get one of three reactions. Reaction number one is, you know, he freaks out. What? Hmm. You know, are you some prude? Like, do you not like me anymore? Do you like some other guy? And he gets angry or distant or pouty or whatever. And, you know, if that's his reaction, then you, you know very clearly what you're dealing with and you should get out. Second reaction is he acts like he's okay with it. Oh, well, if that's what you want to do, I respect that. But then you wait three weeks and it's back to the same old stuff. Well, can we at least do this? Can we at least do that? And he, like, he really doesn't get it. The reaction you're looking for is not where he's just willing to wait for you, you know, like a dog that'll wait for a, a treat that you balance on his nose. He's actually willing to wait with you that if you're tempted, he could be strong. And so that's the reaction you're looking for is the guy who would agree with you. Yeah, these are the moral principles that I want to live by as well. Or maybe if he doesn't fully understand them yet, he's open to learning and you explaining them or sharing some good books and CDs with him and you can grow in this virtue together. But you just want to really be careful. He's self-motivated and you're not the one always having to be the chastity cop. And so, you know, that's the basic love test. And then you watch his reaction and you can gauge from that where his true desire is. Like, because if he really loves you, then if you take the sexual stuff out, guess what? He still has you. You're right there. Uh, what you're taking out is the pleasure. Now, if you remove the pleasure and then he leaves, it shows that's all, all he was ever after to begin with. He's forced to choose between the person and the pleasure. That's really good. I like that. Yep. It's, a gr- it's a great tool for, for any woman to use. One analogy to think of is like a cigarette smoker doesn't really want a cigarette. A, a cigarette smoker wants the feeling he gets from the nicotine from the cigarette. Because when he's done with that cigarette, he just flicks it to the curve in the gutter. He didn't ever want the cigarette. He just wanted the feeling. And sometimes guys date like that, where he's not really after the woman, properly speaking. He's only seeing her as an asset that can get him what he wants through her. And, and that's just not love, and a woman knows it in her heart. There's some couples listening right now, Jason, who genuinely want to live a pure life. They want to chase relationship, but they're struggling. They, you know, they keep falling for one reason or another. What advice would you give to, to couples in that situation? Well, one thing is you, you've got to avoid the occasion of sin. Like if you know, well, yeah, well, we've been hanging out at her apartment at 11 o'clock at night, you know, watching a movie and you're on, on a couch and there's no one else living there. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You know, I remember a buddy of mine was a youth minister in East L.A. and a teen came to his door, knock, knock, knock. He said, hey, Chris, I feel really bad. I had sex with my girlfriend. Chris said, what happened? Well, I was over her house. Her parents were there and one thing just kind of led to another. Chris said, okay. Don't go to her house when her parents aren't there. And the guy's like, oh, that's a good point. Week later, kid knocks the door. Oh, hey, Chris, I feel very bad. I slept with my girlfriend again. Chris like, what happened? He said, well, it was my girlfriend's house. Parents were there. And, you know, it just happened. Chris said, hey, here's an idea. Don't go to her house when her parents aren't there. The kid's like, oh, that's a good idea. Week later, it just happened. And, like, the kid just didn't get it. Like, spend more time in public. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you can't be together in private alone, you also have to ask yourself, are we ready to date spiritually, emotionally? Are we mature enough? Or are we just falling flat on our face 
and hurting each other, even though we don't intend to. And you, you, you might need to take a little break, a little retreat from the relationship, not to run off and date somebody else, but to get your, your stuff together. You know, maybe the guy needs to work on something privately, whether it's some addiction he has, pornography or this or that, that wasn't quite dealt with. Maybe he can get a good spiritual director. You know, maybe there's stuff she's going through. Maybe counseling is needed somewhere. And so to make sure that you can, you know, it's going to be part of the fight. It's going to be a battle. You know, you're going to take your hits. You're not always going to win. But you got to make sure you're in this thing together. You're dedicated to prayer. You're avoiding, the, you know, the inclination of sin or the occasions of sin. And uh, just making sure you're accountable. It's not just her and you against the world. Like, you got to pe- have people in your life who know what's going on, you know, that can call you to higher virtue. And, uh, and having that accountability is a big piece, too. And my wife and I used this when we were dating. I know, ideally, you know, you should be able to be alone with a woman and not be tempted to use her. But sexual desire is a real thing. And we got to be smart. We can't overlook our weaknesses. And so one thing my wife and I would do when we were dating was if we were going to be alone, uh, isolated, we, you know, we'd try to go out in public and avoid just being isolated. But if we were, we would do this thing called no touch where we literally would just not touch each other. And we would, you know, act as if we were friends, watch a movie, play a game, do something like that. And it worked. And so, you know, like you're saying, best to avoid it altogether. But if for some reason, like during a quarantine, for example, you're in a situation where you can't, I highly recommended that. And honestly, it built our friendship because we were forced not to just focus on the romance, the affection, but actually talk to each other. And so that was a really beautiful. Yeah. Thing. And another thing, you know, following your advice, I would check in with one of my best friends every week on Sunday, I'd shoot him a text or I would give him a call and just tell him how, how the week went. Like, you know, it was this, was it a week where, you know, we struggled, we fell, or was it, you know, a good week where there's some victories? And I know for me, I know I'm being vulnerable with everyone right here, but this stuff actually worked for me. And it was so helpful both to do that no touch rule thing uh, when it was needed. And then on the other hand, have someone who I knew I was going to have to tell them, hey, you know, I messed up here or, or this went really well. I, I had a victory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just so key, not going Lone Ranger on all this stuff, because otherwise you can end up in this cycle for years of like, oh, we messed up. I feel bad. So do I. Let's try again. Oh, we messed up. I feel bad. So do I. Let's try again. You know, having accountability can help not only call you on, but like be a reminder before you do that. of like, uh, do I really want to have to tell this person again that I messed up again? No, let's, let's, let's skip it this time. So having that accountability just keeps, keeps you in check a little bit more. Jason, some women are with men who just aren't good for them, really bad for them. And often the women make excuses for those men. They make excuses for their bad behavior. And so I'm curious, what are some of the most common excuses that you've heard women make? And what's your response to, to some of those? We can't cover all of them, but just a few, if you would. Yeah, well, I'm not like, well, you know, he came from a bad family and he's really been through a lot or, you know, he's under a lot of stress and it's just an infinite number of things, but that all typically show a real lack of emotional maturity in the man. And so she's trying to come up with excuses for him so that he doesn't have to actually man up for his behavior and be like, yeah, you know, I shouldn't be behaving like this at all. And I literally begged the woman to get out, just please just get out of the relationship, go. And if you can't do it for love of yourself, do it for love of your future kids. They deserve a more stable, peaceful home environment than this guy is likely to ever be able to provide. And, you know, I know it's hard because a woman will hold on to a vision, a dream she has of like, no, no, I see what the future can be. And if we just try harder and we try one more time, but you know, if, if he's treating you like garbage, one thing you do, write it down, make a diary and, uh, you know, and just take a journal, you know, today he said this and he did that and he didn't do this and this happened, that happened. Okay. Just jot it down. As soon as it happens, get it verbatim, put it down. Um, and keep doing that because you can argue with your memory and your feelings, but you can't argue with your handwriting. And when it's there in the ink and you see that pattern playing itself out day after day, week after week, it's sobering. And sometimes that's what's needed to get that reality check of like, hey, I've, I'm, I'm deluding myself and thinking that things are just going to get better if I just wait long enough and just put on a cape and just try to be superwoman or Wonder Woman and just try harder and try harder. Like, it's not your job to be his mother or his messiah. You know, that, that's for somebody else. It's your job to be his partner in a relationship. And if he doesn't have the emotional maturity to return the favor to you, then you're going to end up feeling like you're both taking care of the same person in the relationship. And that's him. And that's just not a healthy relationship, in my opinion. In order to, to walk away, you and Chris Selena tell women you need to grow a backbone. 
you need to grow a backbone. Why is it so necessary for a woman to grow a backbone? And what are some practical ways that she can do that? Well, one is you've got to know beforehand what it is you really want when it comes to dating and relationship. Because like, if you don't really know what you want, unfortunately, you can end up settling for something that's much less than you really desire. And so if, if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't really have a, a map of a destination map. You can spend so many years just kind of wandering aimlessly in the wilderness, hoping you're going to just stumble into the right thing. And so know what you want beforehand and have the guts to stick to it. Because, you know, if it's time to break off that relationship and you feel like you don't have the backbone, one thing I really recommend, even if you do have a backbone, to get a breakup buddy, meaning someone who knows the situation, who knows you, who loves you, and is going to be by your side, that when you're tempted to text him at two o'clock in the morning, you text her instead and you go eat a gallon of ice cream with her and watch a nice chick flick and just get away from it all. Like don't try to break off alone because there's going to be so many moments where you feel weak to go back. And then you can end up breaking up with the same guy five times. And it just takes an emotional toll where you keep thinking, no, this time it'll be different because what's frustrating is it's almost like every time you start to pull away, that's when he begins to exhibit his best behavior. And it creates this vicious cycle of like, no, this time it'll be different. And it just keeps looping you back and back for more. And, uh, and it's just terribly painful to live through that. So you got to learn how to trust your gut and let go of that which was never meant to be. Because you're really, in my opinion, potentially clogging up your love life with someone who was never really meant for you in the first place. And that's painful to admit, but what's p- more painful than admitting it is spending a lifetime denying it and then ending up with someone who really is not going to be the best person for you. On somewhat of a separate note, uh, how can a woman balance between keeping her standards high, right? It's so important, keeping her standards high, yet at the same time, not expecting her spouse or future spouse to be flawless? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're holding out for Mr. Absolutely Flawless, you know, flawless looking, flawless income, flawless spirituality, flawless this, flawless that. The flaw is not in him, it's in you. You know, because we're, we're human beings, we're going to have shortcomings, we're going to have failings, and uh, and we all know that. You know, I, I think, unfortunately, most women are not falling into that category. Most women, I think, fall into the category of not having high enough standards. But, sure. you know, in, in my opinion, you want to shoot for the stars. You want to keep that standard high and, and, you know, make a list of what you really want in a future spouse. And then really step back and, okay, is this realistic? I want him to not take drugs, to not look at porn, to want to lead me closer to God. Like, these are not unrealistic expectations. These are standards. And so women, I think, if anything, just need to be reassured that they're not setting setting their standards too high. Because I believe that a man can be as much of a gentleman as a woman requires. And if a civilization of women aren't requiring much from their gentlemen, unfortunately, they're not going to end up with much from the gentlemen. And so I think as a civilization, women would do well to put those standards super high and leave them there. One of the things that sabotages love is hooking up. And hooking up is easier now than ever with apps like Tinder and the million other apps out there. Why is hooking up so toxic? Well, it's just basically the opposite of what we really want. Because, I mean, if you think what men are afraid of sometimes, it's they're afraid of initiating and committing and giving of themselves. And then women are kind of afraid of, well, I'm not really worth the effort. I'm not really worth the pursuit because I might end up alone. So I'll settle for whatever. And if you look at where those two fears collide, it's hooking up where the man's not really giving himself. The woman's not expecting anything more. And we're just becoming slaves to our weaknesses. And this is just mutual use. And you think, well, it's not a bad. I mean, we both agree to it. It's like, no, it's, just, it's mutual use. It could be like emotional prostitution in exchange for physical prostitution where, you know, he's given her love for the sake of getting sex and she's given him sex for the sake of feeling loved. Like this isn't giving, it's using and the human heart is made for better than that. To the woman who's listening right now who feels stuck in the hookup culture, what advice would you give her for getting out of that? Um, one, like I had mentioned before, you got to get some accountability. You need some friends to get around you. And, and better ones, because maybe the friends that are around you have not been very supportive. Maybe they're the ones knocking at your door saying, hey, let's go clubbing this weekend and back to the same old junk. And so you've got to take a good, honest look, like because a friend of mine said friends are like elevators. They either take you up or they take you down. 
And so you got to take a real look like what direction am I being taken here by my own friends? Because you always become like your friends. So I think that's one of the biggest key pieces is friendships. And then look at your cell phone. Like, are there contacts on there that you have no business having that, you know, when that guy calls or whatever, you know, what he's interested in or people that you're following on social media that show up in your Instagram or Facebook feed that you need to start unfollowing because you don't even need to be seeing that imagery or those messages that they're getting off. Um, and so just, just take a good, honest look, like, what is it you really want? You know, it's not this you're made for so much more. And it doesn't matter. You know, my wife always says, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. All that matters now is where you go from here. And so just because the past has been messy, doesn't mean that your future's gone. Your future's still spotless. And that's all yours. It's like a book. And yeah, maybe the first 40 pages haven't been so pleasant, but the rest of the book of the script, it's blank. You get to put on those pages, whatever you want. And so just realize that it's, it's that way with God, that every morning his mercies are new. So good. And that advice of getting new friends is life-changing. I know for me, when I was uh, young, when I was 11 years old, I was hanging around with my sports buddies and uh, one of them introduced me to pornography. Another one, the mom would let us watch R-rated movies as 12-year-olds and uh, just exposed to so much crap, to be honest. And uh, once I met new friends, uh, my life started to change. And so I, I love that advice. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I remember having friends with the exact same thing in junior high and high school where I mean, one of my buddies, his, his, his mom paid for him to have a subscription to Playboy magazine. Hmm. And it's like, what are you thinking? And, and going to the you know, blockbuster video back when you'd get, you know, DVDs and videos there. And the mom, like not caring what we're checking out with. Like, I'm like, wow, this, this lady really doesn't care. Like we can get anything we want under her watch. And it's just like, you know, when we don't have parents that aren't vigilant, you know, sometimes we can get exposed to, you know, a lot more junk than we need to, unfortunately. I mean, I I was blessed with parents who were vigilant, but then I go over to the parents' house and it wasn't the same way, unfortunately. Yeah, no, me too. I was playing, you know, Grand Theft Auto down the street, even though my mom would never allow that. And so it, it, you really do need to take an assessment of the people you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah. In the book, you say that it's important to understand when it comes to sexuality, men and women are wired differently. Would you explain that? Yeah. And this is not to say that women obviously don't have sexual desires. They do. But I, I tend to find they operate a little differently, whereas they can say a woman could be compared almost like to an iron or if you plug in an iron, you know, at first it's not hot and you wait a little, okay, now it's getting warmer. Okay. Now it's hot. Oh, what? Now it's searing hot. It just takes a little bit more time. Whereas with a guy, his sexuality tends to operate a little bit more like a light bulb. You flip the switch and it's on immediately. Meaning that, you know, if you're with your boyfriend and you're just cuddling or whatever on a couch together, she might be perfectly content with only that. Oh, this is nice for clothes, for cuddling, whatever. Whereas with the guy, he might be thinking, hey, if we're, you know, this is what's happening now. You know, what, what could be happening in five minutes from now? I'm already getting, you know, excited, whatever. And so just to try to have regard for the fact that we're wired a little bit differently to help uh, that virtue of chastity develop in him uh, just by avoiding, you know, the, the things that might get, because I remember meeting one girl and she told me, she told her boyfriend, now, now all we're going to do is make out. We're not going to do anything more than make out. And the boyfriend's like, okay, whatever, you know, and then, you know, after a couple of weeks or whatever doing that, you know, he said to her, don't you ever just get bored? And she said, no, I don't. And he said, well, I do, because it was stirring up all these desires that she just had to slam the brakes on. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's much better to, I think what you'll find is the more pure you are, the easier it is to be pure. Uh, whereas where you kind of sit on the fence and say, we're going to do this and we're still going to do that. It makes it a lot more difficult because you're revving up all these desires and then having to repeatedly slam on the brakes, you know, it's only a matter of time before the brakes give out. Shifting gears a little bit, you and I both know that women are under such pressure in our culture to have flawless bodies, to have the perfect Instagram. How should women respond to that pressure from society? Well, I think two things. One is that women should take an active role in shaping the society of being like, you know what? I'm going to start a, you know, modest line of clothing or, you know, bathing suit line. You can, you can make it cute and fashionable without having to be so small. And I'm going to show you how you can do that. And, you know, I know women that have done this, that have actively entered into the fashion industry to transform it from within instead of constantly complaining about it. I had heard of some girls that were shopping in, I think, a Nordstrom or something, and everything was like low cut this and super tight that. And, 
And they just wrote a letter to the manager like, dude, we want more modest clothing options. And they started getting signatures and petitions. And before you knew it, you know, the department store actually brought these girls on as fashion consultants to help change the wardrobe selections for teenage girls in the store. And like change can be made. Uh, and so that's active. An activist role, I think, is important. But then another big piece you got to look at here is how you look at yourself. I mean, look at the the, the most the women in the world who have the most perfect bodies. Like, do they have the most perfect, loving relationships in their lives? No, they often have the most dysfunctional ones. Now, think of the people you know that do have the most perfect love. Do they have perfect bodies? No, they're probably like 85 years old and overweight and wrinkly, but they have love because a perfect body doesn't get you perfect love. And and woman is tempted to think, well, you look at that woman on the magazine, if I look like that, I'd, I'd have love too. Well, not necessarily. I think you have to begin by loving yourself. And by loving yourself, I don't mean being infatuated with yourself of like, oh, I've got the greatest body in the world. Because frankly, you're going to lose that contest. And so am I. I mean, only one woman gets to be the most beautiful woman, woman in the world. And she's probably not listening to the show. The most beautiful man in the world is not hosting this show or being interviewed on this show. And that's okay <laughs> because it's not a contest to be on the top of the pile. You know, it's to be able to say, you know, I like who I am as a human being and I'm living a purposeful life. And, uh, and once you have, cause you ultimately want to be loved, not because your body is so flawless, but you want to be loved because who you are with all your flaws. I'm a little offended by that, but I will, uh, I'll shoulder it. It's okay. You're in the top 10, but I don't know, <laughs> top five. It's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, yeah. you, in talking about friendship, you encourage women to find their bridesmaids first, then their groom. Why in that order? Um, one, you need that sisterhood, not only for the accountability, but a lot of times when a girl gets in a relationship with a guy and he becomes her everything, a lot of times, maybe she gets married young, 19, 20, 21, whatever. And then like five years into marriage, she just gets itchy. Like, wait a minute, I never traveled to Europe with my friends. I never, uh, you know, figured out my career. I never did this. I never did that. Everything was the boy, the boy, the boy, the boy. And, and it can end up stifling the relationship quite a bit and even make her resent him to some extent. And so I think it's important that you, you find yourself and, and your fellow sisters before you find your soulmate. You tell the women not to play house. What, what's wrong with living together before you're married? I know this topic really deserves its own episode, but uh, in, in a few words, what would you say is wrong with living together before you're married? Well, sociologically speaking, there is no benefit whatsoever to marital stability or happiness by living together prior to marriage. In fact, those who cohabit prior to marriage actually have a higher divorce rate, higher infidelity rate, higher rate of domestic abuse. I mean, it goes on and on and on. This is not the way to prepare for marriage by playing house, because essentially what you're doing is starting the whole thing off on the wrong foot of a trial marriage of like, hey, we're going to give this a shot, because if you're not all I think you're crack up to be, then I want to know that a door is still open for me to exit through. Well, that's really starting things off on a wrong foot. People say, oh, well, just financially, it makes more sense. You know, I just split the rent and whatever. But, you know, I think what we've got right here is a culture of single people who pretend like they're dating. We have a culture of dating people who behave like they're married. And the fruit of that is a culture of married people who seem to think they're single. Everything's out of order. And so if we are not married, we shouldn't pretend to be husband and wife. So women listening, like if you're single, don't pretend like you are his girlfriend. You're not his girlfriend. If you're his girlfriend, don't behave like his wife. And if you're his wife, live as one. And imagine if guys would just do the same thing. I mean, relationships would become so much simpler. A lot of women listening right now come from broken homes. And I think so often, so many of us have seen brokenness around us when it comes to marriage, so many divorces, so much separation. And I think that's part of the reason why we fear going into marriage. And so instead, like you said so well, we kind of tiptoe into it. Uh, you mentioned some of the statistics. I'm just curious, uh, why do you think it is? Why is it that couples that live together before the wedding are more likely to get divorced? And like I mentioned, so many people listening comes from that and we're afraid of repeating the divorce. We don't want that. Yeah, I mean, there could be, I mean, there are a number of reasons. I mean, uh, you know, one reason being, you know, people who refuse to go habit typically might have, you know, religious reasons behind that of morality and things and that. And those things could be beneficial to marital stability in the future. Um, but if you look at, I think one of the biggest reasons is, you know, what do you need the most in marriage? Patience, <laughs> you know, sacrifice, 
putting the other person first, you know, all, all that stuff. That, that's what you need for marriage. But you don't learn any of that by cohabiting. You don't learn patience by rushing ahead of your wedding date. You don't learn self-control by sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It doesn't train you in faithfulness when you don't really even have to say no to your own desires on a daily basis physically. And so the, the very things that make marriage last, the patience, self-control, uh, all, all that, you're training yourself in by waiting for that big day. And it just makes it more special because, like, I mean, if you're already living together and sleeping together and all that and then you get married – how is life really that different? I mean, you go through a ceremony, you get a piece of paper, or you get some new Tupperware and silverware, or whatever, and then back to life as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so marriage should be an exclusive, lifelong, permanent union with another person. And you cannot test drive something that by its very nature is permanent. Mm-hmm. You're either all in or you're all out. And so thinking we can tiptoe into marriage is like thinking we can tiptoe into relationship by hooking up first. Well, I don't really want to date her, but you know, we'll kind of do this and you know, see what happens. And then if it works out, maybe we'll end up dating. It's the wrong way to enter dating. It's the wrong way to enter a marriage. We've already spoken quite a bit about breaking up. Is there any additional advice you'd give to a woman who knows that she should break up with her boyfriend, with the guy she's with, but she's afraid? Yeah. Well, they say courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the judgment that something is more important than your fear. So it's okay you're afraid. It's okay. Let yourself feel that feeling. You don't need to stuff it. You don't need to repress it. It's okay to feel afraid. But I think the real thing you should be afraid of is staying with him. The real thing you should be afraid of is what you're missing out in your life by not letting go, by living off of this trail of breadcrumbs from this guy when God would rather give you a feast somewhere else. And so don't starve yourself in this relationship. I mean, the biggest choice you will ever make in your life is that of a spouse. And if your boyfriend does not have the qualities that you know you want in a husband, girl, get out and don't look in the rearview mirror. And will it hurt? Will it sting? Yeah, but that thing's going to go away. And you're paying a price and letting go, but that's an investment and it's going to be worth it. It's going to pay off. I really believe that. I mean, I really don't know that I've met any girl who's ever broken up with a guy and look back and regretted that and be like, Oh, gee, I wish I put up with it for another couple of years. Typically by the time you're out and you're seeing things more clearly, uh, you'll experience the, the, the fruit of the peace that comes with that. I've heard it said that when you overcome fear, you feel free. And in this case, you're free to love. Yeah. I mean, you could stand at the edge of that cliff, you know, jumping down on the, like you go cliff dive and you're kind of standing at the edge. And so, harrowing and afraid. I don't know. I don't do this. Is this, is this the right decision to make? Like, Oh, it looks so far down. But then when you jump off and you splash in the water and you laugh, it's like, okay, I did it. You know, and that fear immediately gets replaced with something else. And yeah, it, it's scary. Um, but it, to me, it's a lot, nothing scarier than living outside of the will of God. And so if this relationship has not brought peace and purity and, and joy in your life, you know, like I said, everyone deserves to be someone who really wants to be with them. And if he really wants to be with you, he'll love you, he'll cherish you, and he'll treat you that way. Jason, just a curious question here. Why do you think that a lot of girls date jerks? You, you know the saying, nice guys finish last. I'm just curious of your take yeah. on that. Um, you know, one thing is, a, I think, a lack of emotional maturity on the woman's behalf of really seriously, what is the purpose of dating? Is this adventure? Is this like a movie where I'm going to fix the bad boy and I'm going to tame him and I'm going to make him finally faithful to me and me alone, like it's some game, like it's some contest. So there could be a real lack of emotional maturity on the woman's behalf. You also could have a deeper psychological thing going on where maybe her father was cold or distant or difficult to please or a rebel or or whatever. And it almost feels like if she can win the affection of a boyfriend, it's almost like she's winning the affection of the dad that she feels she never really got. Maybe she feels like she lost out on that love of a father. Um, but when she meets guys who are similar to his temperament or has his, his, his lack of maturity, they kind of gravitate towards such guys. And it's sad because, I mean, I had a, a roommate once in, in San Diego that I live with, and he met this beautiful girl, went to San Diego State University, and they started seeing each other. And then she broke up with him. And she said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I, 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 I don't date nice guys. I only date jerks. And she actually said that. Wow. And and it was so sad. It's like, man, she she missed out on an awesome guy and a potentially awesome future because she apparently didn't think she deserved better. Yeah. And if anyone listening is curious about learning more about kind of why we do that, why we tend to repeat our the mistakes we saw in our families, our parents' mistakes, listen to episode 13. We brought in a psychologist, uh, 
friend of mine who has her doctorate in psychology, and she kind of explained what's going on underneath the hood. And uh, so re- really good episode if you're interested in understanding kind of why we repeat our parents' mistakes, or like Jason said, we tend to seek to rewrite a broken story uh, after the fact. So re- really good content mm-hmm. in the episode, episode 13. Jason, a lot of women, uh, they have made mistakes. They have regrets that haunt them. How can a woman heal? Uh, I think one of the most important things is you need to begin to not infect the previous wound. You know, it needs time to clean out. And if we're rushing back to the same old problems, the same old stuff, you know, you can't close that we you can't close that that wound as as long as it's, there's junk getting into it. And so, step number one is to get out of these toxic situations, and then not be afraid to go to counseling if that's something that you think would be fruitful. Uh, you can find good. There's counselors that may not be so good out there, so you might need to shop around a little bit. That's one of the greatest gifts that you could give to yourself is, is the gift of wholeness. Um, of being able to mend those hurts in the past. And yeah, you know what, they hurt, but living purity can heal the past. And sometimes you learn wisdom in painful ways and you can grow from this and be a stronger woman and be like, yeah, you know what, that stinks. Going through that was really rough, but you know what? Now I know for the future, I'm I'm not going to date with guys like that. And I'm not going to put myself in those situations. You don't want to beat yourself up like it is all your fault. If you had only done that, don't let yourself just bludgeon yourself over the head about the past or with the future, because God doesn't want you to live in either one of those places. He wants you to be with him in the present moment. So as much as you can to entrust the past and the future to him. What final word of encouragement would you give to all the women listening in their search for love? A lot of them, after hearing this conversation, after reading some of the book, maybe thinking, this is impossible. You know, where can I find a good guy? So what, what encouragement would you give them? Well, I mean, some guys wanted the same thing. Like, where can I find a decent girl? And, you know, unfortunately, there are fewer and fewer decent guys out there because of the prevalence of internet porn with the guys. And not that it's only a guy problem, but so many guys have been hooked on that junk since junior high. They don't even know how to look at a woman, let alone how to speak to one or relate to her. Um, But to be patient, to hold out. I mean, if there's anything worth holding out for, it is love. And I know it can be long and it can be discouraging and be frustrating, but you'll speed up the process if you're filtering out the guys who aren't even realistic candidates to begin with. And you can find decent guys, like there are good, uh, you know, faith-based dating websites out there like catholicconnection.com or avemariasingles.com. Like there's good ones out there. And obviously you still have to be discerning because someone might pretend to be spiritual on that website, but in reality they're not. You know, or you find someone good, but they live in Abu Dhabi and they're not going to move here in the next decade. So you got to be prudent there. But, you know, put yourself where good guys are likely to be. Get involved in service work and the church youth groups and things like that where uh, you pro-life work or just some places where guys who have the same passions and standards are likely to be. Uh, And so don't wait for them to come knocking at your door. Get involved in young adult groups in your diocese or in your city, you know, put yourself out there uh, and, and broaden your horizons instead of just staying in your, your narrow social circle, hoping he's going to walk through the door. Um, so there's, there's good means out there, but you want to take advantage of them. In the meantime, you know, I remember one woman, Sarah Swafford, she said, become the woman of your dreams and you'll attract the man of your dreams. Meaning focus on who God's calling you to be first and then, and then see what God is saying to you in these single years and then see what happens in the future and leave those in God's hands. I remember you quoting, I think it was Curtis Martin, who said, you know, don't pursue your soulmate, pursue God. And after a while of running after him, turn to see who's keeping up with you. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was a memorable quote from him that I've, I've used with many, shared with many people. It just, it just gets your priorities straight. It's like if you're a sailor a century ago and you didn't have GPS and you're out in the middle of the ocean, all you had was the stars to navigate by. You know, but if you, if, you, if you can see that one bright spot and you keep your eyes on that, it'll lead you to the port. Absolutely. And for those of you who aren't religious, I know there's a lot of people listening who aren't, seek that purpose for your life. Like, what are you on this earth to do? I think, I think you'll find that, like Jason's saying, by ordering your life in that way, uh, things will just work so much better for you. Jason, how can, how can uh, people follow you? Uh, if you just go to our website, which is chastity.com, uh, there they can connect with us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. They can donate to the ministry. They can connect with the new podcast we're about to launch here. So all that. And the books that we wrote, like How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul, that's available on the website as well. Uh, for as little as $3 a piece, so you can share it with friends. 
And that's C-H-A-S-T-I-T-Y.com. Jason, thank you so much. Guys, we'll link to all of that in the show notes to make it easy for you. So if you want to pick up the book, you can. Jason, really appreciate you. Appreciate everything you've done. Like I've said before, you've been a huge mentor of mine and helped me uh, navigate this world of love and relationships. And I know uh, you're doing great work. So keep it up. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, God bless you. And thanks for having me on. So much wisdom from that man. And if you want to get more wisdom from Jason and his wife, Crystalina, you can buy their book, How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. You can buy it for yourself or you can buy it for someone else who you know needs it. And so it's really easy to do. You just go to restoredministry.com slash 19. That's number one, number nine. So again, that's restoredministry.com slash 19. We'll link out to where you can buy the book. And once you go to that link, you just complete the purchase and good to go. Like I mentioned at the start, we're doing a random giveaway of three books. And the way to enter that giveaway, you just go to, again, that link, restoredministry.com slash 19. And you'll just subscribe to our email list. Just put your name, your email, and just answer one quick question. And then we'll announce a winner by June 19th of 2020. And if you buy the book now, you can still enter the email list for the random giveaway. If you win and you have two copies, you can always give one away to to someone else that you know. And anyone who's already on our email list, you're automatically entered into the contest. The resources mentioned are in the show notes at restoredministry.com slash 19. Thank you so much for listening. If this has been useful, please subscribe and share this podcast with someone you know who could use it. Always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and become the person that you were born to be.